Welcome to the Women Owned Wednesday podcast by Ellie Jane. I'm Ellie Rowe, entrepreneur and founder of Ellie Jane Collective. And guys, it's a brand new year. Happy New Year. And welcome to 2021. I also have some really super exciting news to share with you. I got engaged. In this episode, you'll hear me refer to my fiance, which is very exciting. And you'll also hear my conversation with Rakti Jehanjeri, co-founder of IRL Agency, a DC-based creative marketing agency. Roxy and I talk a lot about the art of the pivot, what it's like feeling scared as an entrepreneur, and what our strategies for success look like. So without further ado, here we go. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. Yes. So today I have Roxy Jahanjeri joining us. She is the co-founder of IRL Agency, which is a DC-based creative marketing agency. Um, and Roxy, how have things been? <laughs> <laughs> um, things have been, well, 2020 in general has just been an absolute shit show. Um, yeah. <laughs> ups and downs, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you have the same feelings and everyone else uh, out there. Um, but things have been all over. The, I've had the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. I mean, it has been a really uh, challenging year, but I think there's also been some really exciting things that have happened um, for, at least for us, um, once we've got, once we started to get past all the craziness of 2020, which it's just like coals are just thrown at you left and right. Yes. Uh, but overall, I, yeah, I think it's just been a lot of, a series of highs and lows. Um, but a year that has kind of just tested, I think, everyone in different ways, um, like through resilience, you know, tested love, tested uh, integrity, tested everything. Um, entre- the entrepreneurial spirit has been tested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same way. <laughs> it is. It's hard. I mean, I think, you know, now that we're in 2021 and we're looking back at like everything that happened in 2020, you kind of just want to look. I don't know. I think there were a lot of lessons learned. I mean, I know there were a lot of bad things too. As entrepreneurs, I think you're just so used to the pivot that it just is kind of another redefinition of your, I don't know, like your brand and your um, path and thinking about what it is that you really want to do and what that means, um, kind of redefining all of that. And I think too, so tell me a little bit about IRL agency and how it came to life and how that vision kind of formed. Um, And then we can kind of talk about too, I mean, how it's transpired, obviously, you know, with the past year and everything like that too. For sure. So IRL agency, um, ironically, you know, my, my current and new business partner, Corey and I, um, so some backstory there, we met at DC startup week in 2018. Um, Okay. Right around the, I actually, my background, I worked for Deloitte uh, as an IT business consultant for five years, um, and, and I was in the federal contracting world for quite some time. Um, prior to making the shift in 2018, I quit the corporate world. I quit my job, and I'll talk about DC Brunch Club later, but I had started a company called DC Brunch Club in 2015, um, which was an events, an events company. Um, we throw four to five pretty major events every single year um, and have become one of the largest young professional event promotional companies. Um, and, I, and I own that with two other business partners, but that was an events company that was kind of my second revenue stream when I had a full-time corporate gig. And then I quit that in 2018 um, and I was like, all right, I have, I have DC brunch club revenue coming in. I feel, and I knew that I wanted to, to pursue 
events full time. I was like, my passion is event and events. It doesn't feel like work. This is what I'm meant to do. I'm not meant to be an IT business consultant. Like that just wasn't speaking to me. It was, you know, definitely not my, uh, not where I should, where my, where my career should have been in. Um, but anyways, I, I ended up quitting my job in 2018. And luckily I met my now business partner, Corey at DC Startup Week. And at that time, he was a digital marketer, more freelance. And, um, you know, we just immediately hit it off. And we, and we realized through, through very brief conversation, because he, he's one of the uh, co-founders of DC Startup Week, through very brief conversation, we realized we share the same vision for how events and digital marketing can be this powerful force. Because he actually targeted me through ads, through DC Startup <laughs> Week. He found me somehow. I'd never heard of DC Startup Week. Um, and I just quit my job and I was like, this is an event that I should probably go to, like, especially for entrepreneurs, you know, starting out and networking. So in that moment, I realized I was like, no matter how successful of an event concept you may have, if you can't reach a new audience, then, you know, it's not going to be as successful as it could be. So we, I ended up realizing that he was the one who targeted me through the ad. So now we joke about that. Um, and we realized that there was, we shared that vision in that the, like there really is a powerful combination between experiential events and digital marketing. And the two have to be married in order to really create a successful, robust marketing strategy. So that was kind of the beginning without us really knowing the beginning of a business partnership. Um, you know, we were both very hesitant to go into a business partnership together um, just because we had just met and, you know, it's like a marriage. Um, so we didn't really know if that was the direction we wanted to go in, but opportunities just continue to present themselves. We, um, we did a holiday pop-up last, last Christmas together for the first time where I was, you know, I was a, this event designer um, and created the whole concept and he did the digital marketing strategy. And through that whole project, we were like, oh my gosh, we work great together. And the results that we got for the venue that we worked with, we doubled their, their revenue over the course of one month through our holiday pop-up. Wow. So that's when we really realized this is cool, this is powerful, and we have a really unique case study to move forward and, and pursue IRL agency. Um, so it only took the pandemic for us to realize, and, and it kind of catapulted us and expedited the whole process because I was still, you know, in DC Brunch Club world. Um, we had New Year's Eve and all of that. So DC Brunch Club was still in a weird way consuming a lot of my time. Um, and so the, the pandemic ironically afforded Corey and I the time to really, you know, to pivot um, into focusing full-time on IRL agency. Although in-person events were no longer something that we could focus on, we quickly realized that virtual events could be you know, were, and we're going to be the future of events for a while. Um, so, you know, long story short, we ended up kind of creating our first virtual experience together, which was Lovecast. I don't know if you've heard of Lovecast. I haven't. Um, but it's basically a, 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 like a, it's a live interactive virtual dating show in DC. It's local. Mm. Um, so we have people, I mean, actually teamed up with um, another, it's a dating app, their local video-based dating app called Carpe DM. We teamed up with those ladies. We created this experiential concept. We were like, okay, let's take your video-based concept and let's take it virtual. We a totally free event, but basically we had people apply for the show. Singles could apply for the show from the LGBTQ community or, you know, from the straight community. They could apply for the show and we would basically have the audience 
pair the couples, match them based on the video submissions that they would we would have launched on the website, they could match them and then they would go on a surprise virtual video date with each other. That's and such a great idea. <laughs> we had the whole thing recorded, like literally it would be like a Skype interview like this. The two couples would come on, had no idea that they would be matched with the other person uh, who would be on the other side of the screen. And so it was a surprise video date. We would record it, edit it down to five minutes, and then we would bring them into like a live show on that Sunday night and actually have random people put the public attend and watch the whole date and then they would decide if they wanted to stay together in like a live setting. That's amazing. <laughs> so that's what we did in our free time during the pandemic. <laughs> we were like let's test this virtual event and we had no idea what we were doing. You know we were just like for some reason it was a poll the opportunity presented itself and we we're like let's learn what virtual events are all about. And we've gotten some, some contracts uh, through that process. So I guess we were, we were running kind of blindly with it. I'm sure a lot of business owners were during that time. We were pivoting, but we didn't know what we were really doing and how it was gonna pan out, but we just felt like we should do it and we should learn. Um, and it was something that kind of motivated us. But then, you know, in the later Q4 2020, we had about four virtual event contracts through the Lovecast experience. So things, started to look up. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, I think there's so many, you know, like as we touched on in the beginning of this, it's, you know, one of those things where I feel like we all kind of took a look at the things that we were doing and like, okay, how do I rethink what I'm doing and make it into something that, because I mean, who knows like what the long-term future of all this is, is. I mean, now, you know, we're in a new year, we have a vaccine, things are starting to turn around a little bit, but I mean, ultimately we could still have a larger group of people who are working remotely and more tuned in virtually than they were before. Oh, for sure. I mean, the pandemic has changed things for good. You know, I think we might see a future in which, you know, I don't, for example, for events, we thought about this a lot, like there may be hybrid events, you know, it, it's financially, it doesn't make sense for a lot of these, especially the, the conferences that companies have the expenses of that. Um, they've been able to cut back a lot. So I think we'll see a future in which a lot of the, the, um, the new technologies and processes that have been, that we've been forced to incorporate into our daily lives, um, they, will, they will be here to stay or modified in some way. But to your point, I mean, I think this has tested a lot of business owners um, to, to check their processes. Like, do, do we have digital sales channels that we can continue to reach our audience in a pandemic world, right? Like if we, if our in-person is cut off, what does our business look like? And I know a lot of businesses have thrived because they were online originally, but a lot of businesses weren't. And so it's really, I think, forced us to think outside the box and get creative and, and pivot, um, knowing that some of these changes are here to stay. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally agree. I mean, I think too, like, what do you feel like has become sort of your inspiration for all this? Because I feel like during the pandemic, it's kind of easy to feel like discouraged or like, oh my gosh, I'm in this moment where I'm kind of panicked. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what the next step is. So how do you stay like positive and, and like, what is your inspiration to keep going? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough and it, I feel like it's, it's easy it's easy, it's easy to give advice, you know, and then you're actually going through it and you're like, oh my God, take your own advice, take your own advice. Um, but I, I'll say one thing that, that has, has inspired me, um, and I know my best friend Corey as well, um, is just knowing that 
if this is the toughest that it's going to get, you know, this is kind of rock bottom, right? And if, if you can, if we can survive rock bottom and somehow make it through this uh, cloud, through this mud, then, then we can kind of take on anything past this, right? And I think we've, we've all in a way hit rock bottom. I mean, I hope we've hit rock bottom. Um, so the fact that we're still here, that we're still being creative, that we're still able to have this conversation and talk about like all of the things that we've learned um, throughout the process is inspirational. You know, I think any entrepreneur should be proud of, of making it through this point and, um, that's been something that's driven me. And also I talked about this during DC startup week too, but like visualization, I, that's something I really, that's a practice that I've developed over the last couple of years is, um, just visualizing yourself in a better place, uh, succeeding, you know, and where you are in five years or where you are in 10 years, whatever vision, um, that helped you start that, that was the vision that helped you start the dream, you know, keep that alive throughout this whole process. Because I, for me in the darkest the darkest of times during this pandemic, it's definitely been the light that's kind of kept me going. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like that's like your strategy for success almost is like visualizing where you want to go and just kind of taking the steps to it takes to get there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's definitely been one of my go-to strategies during this time. Um, and then, you know, I think meditation also has really helped me and talking like going out for a walk whenever I feel like I I'm in a creative rut you know and and taking the time to reflect and kind of giving myself a little bit of time if I need it to just to just sulk and you know be upset about stuff right I think everyone you know there there there's this there's a lot of people feel the need to always um, say that they're doing great and that they're okay. And I think one of the things that 2020 has taught us that it's okay to reach out to people, to friends, to your network and just talk about what's going on, get advice. Like, what are you doing during this time? You know, like, how are you pivoting your business? Or are there any, are there any tools or resources that you've been leaning on to help you get through this? Um, podcasts are really great for me, uh, especially just like listening to them and seeing and hearing about success stories and failure stories. You know, you, you realize that entrepreneurs go through a lot of failures before they get to the top. Like there's no overnight success story. Right. Um, so sometimes just inspiring yourself with some of that stuff, I think is, is great and something that can definitely help. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good point because I think, you know, back to that, I mean, the thing about digital marketing is that it is so powerful, but the yeah. side of that is that it is also like very, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? It's very like, it can influence. It has a lot of influence. And so it's both a good thing, I think, and also a bad thing. This year it's been interesting because everyone's kind of in the same boat. I mean, we're not because everybody's circumstance is different. But we are in the sense that we're dealing with this like unprecedented situation and the way that we're handling it and the, and the things that we're going through in, in some aspects are similar. And so it has been kind of interesting to see like, you know, I've seen more people, I think, reaching out for help, which I think is good or yeah. taking away from social media because right. it'd be easy to get like sucked in and be like, oh, okay, what is this person doing? Or like getting upset about what people are or not doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
I have a, a really good friend of mine who's a very a successful author in, in San Francisco. And, um, you know, she relied heavily, her business relied heavily on in-person and, you know, gigs and stuff like that. Speaker, she was a speaker at a lot of different events. And so we've been leaning on each other. We've always leaned on each other, but we've been leaning on each other a lot during this time. And I remember, I think it was in April or May, like month two, three, or in, in that time period of the pandemic. And um, I reached out to her and I was like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, not doing very well, you know, like I'm doing all of this, but I don't know what the future holds. Like, what are we doing this for? You know what I mean? Like, I'm a little bit scared, honestly. Like I have no idea what the future looks like. And you're just, you find yourself just kind of going through the motions and working and working and working and working, hoping that that will get you somewhere. But it's really hard to do that when there's no clear vision in sight for where you're headed, right? Like, you know, visualization, sure, but like, what does the world look like next year? Like, what does the world look like in two, three months? And when you have an income that depends on what that world looks like, it's really scary, you know? And you're just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me. And um, I was having a hard time being creative as well, like kind of having a creative block and not really feeling inspired to work, but feeling like I needed to work. And she gave me some really good advice. And she was like, you know what, Rox? it's okay to just sit in your shit. Just yeah. sit in it. You know, like, <laughs> sounds gross, gross visualization, but, <laughs> but I was like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I, I haven't done that. You know, I haven't just kind of sat with everything and, and thought, you know, not thought about work, just like sat and been with my feelings and, you know, write in your journal or whatever you need to do. Um, and I really took that advice to heart. And I, I put, I put everything away for, for almost two weeks and I was like, I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm not going to be sad, but to your point, I think it's important to lean on those, those people, um, or just, you know, know that you need some time to just to sit in your shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, that's one of the things as entrepreneurs, it's always like this concept of grinding all the time of like constantly going from one project to the next and constantly being creative and constant and like, it's exhausting. I mean, it takes time to be creative. And also sometimes when you're stuck in the mud and you're spinning your wheels, you're just getting yourself more stuck because you're not thinking of like creative solutions to the problem, you know? 100%. First thing that comes to mind. Right, right. You almost need to create the space in order to be able to think about, yeah, exactly where your, where your business could go or what the opportunities are. Sometimes you're so far in it that you can't even see the doors that might be open for you. So yeah, it's, it's been an interest. It's an interesting time. It's, it's a wild time for entrepreneurs out there. <laughs> it's so hard, but, um, but I, I hopefully 2021 will be better to us. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, I think too, like, like you were saying, there are little rituals and small things that for me have helped, you know, in terms of like maybe making a cup of coffee or having like your routine every day. It may not be like the same every right. single day, but like continuing to go to the gym. Like I think for me, the hardest part was when our gym like closed and you weren't able to go in at all. And it was, you know, kind of getting, I was like, oh my gosh, well right now this is okay because I can do what I need to do outside. But like what happens when, you know, it gets cold out. And so right. like trying to find those routines that I could still do, like I've gotten into crafting. So I've been like knitting a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. But so that is, I feel a stress relief because that way I'm like keeping my hands active, but my mind, like I can watch TV while I'm doing that. I can like do other things. So 
that has helped me too in terms of just finding like the little things that I enjoy that can become part of my routine too has helped me. And also like it gives you that break because I know like for me, I'm always tempted if I'm sitting there watching TV, I'm like, my laptop is just like right over there. Right, right. Like I'll like, doing like doing work but yeah and then you stop watching tv and you're just doing work again right. <laughs> i need to i need to do, i've been thinking about that i'd like to take on some sort of new hobby that actually requires me to be off the screen yeah. you know like uh, you know like you said like a knitting or a drawing or something that just exercises a different part of my mind and i can actually fo truly focus on something else i think that's a really good tactic it's hard because literally now you're i mean we would talk about screen time before but right. Oh, green time is at like an all time high. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you Zoom, know? I don't know if you felt it was Zoom, um, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. I, every, well, and especially with my, with my business, with Corey, um, we spend like 10 to 12 hours a day on Zoom because we're starting a business together, right? So it's, we're, we're in year one where we have new clients, we're figuring out our processes, we're, we're doing a lot of the, we're doing everything. You know how it is. You have multiple mm -hmm. hats on. And when you're starting it from ground up, you need the, your business partner to be there with you to make decisions basically all throughout the way, along the way. And we find ourselves being on Zooms for 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, and we're, we're definitely cutting back and we're like, no, we need to take more breaks. We need to integrate more of like a, a plan, like a break plan, a walk plan, a be healthy plan, a wellness plan into our daily routine. But, you know, you get caught up because you can't do the in-person and you, you know, you lean on things like Zoom and it's, it's exhausting and you don't realize how mentally exhausting that can be. Um, and I think, it, you know, creativity is kind of stunted through that, through that a little bit as well. I think so too. And I have a hard time with that because like I struggle with, um, I don't know, like I kind of have this back and forth of like mental exhaustion versus like physical and right. there obviously is a difference. Like I feel like, and like I joke with my fiance about this all the time. Like there's, um, there's kind of like a manic mm -hmm. where my brain is just like going, 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 going. And so like to keep up with my brain or to like shut it off, I have to like physically go do something, right. but it's kind of like this back and forth, like this push and pull of like, but really like my body is exhausted, but right. I shut my brain off, you know, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. So um, it's hard. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, hopefully we can, I can, yeah, I, I'm like, we need, we need to do something here. <laughs> I can't, I can't be on this long. <laughs> no, no. And I think that's good too, like building in those breaks, because a lot of the time, like if you find throughout your day that you have like a space, like for example, from noon to one, you have like a one hour gap. You know, if somebody asks you, like, are you free during that time? You'll be like, yeah, I'm free. But really, like, should you, you know? Right. Yeah. Choice. Right. Exactly. Well, I'm just hoping we can go back to a world where, like, not everyone has to be on video Zoom all the time. You know, like, yeah, you can actually go for a walk, but you're on the Zoom call or on a call. Like, that would be even better than having to be physically face on video. That's true. Time. So, yeah. But that's, no, that's a good point. Better day yeah <laughs> it's so much easier it's so much easier but then you have like the zoom fatigue which is real <laughs> well and then you can have like your pets with you like you could have like your therapy animal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly sometimes I get tired of looking at myself I'm like can we just put a cover up <laughs> yeah I'm so tired of this yeah 
<laughs> I know. I feel, and also like getting ready. It's like, it takes a lot of like time and effort to get ready for a Zoom call where you're not even going to like see anyone in person. So it's like kind of yeah. weird, like in between. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, to pivot a little bit, um, I wanted to ask you because obviously, you know, my business is focused on female entrepreneurship and that's one of the reasons why I thought it would be great for us to, to talk today. And I was curious how you feel that be, like being a woman has influenced, you know, your decision making through the entrepreneurial process or do you not feel that it has Um yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I've actually been having a lot of conversations around being a woman at entrepreneur in general uh, with a lot of with a lot of my friends um, recently, and I think it's because you really—I don't know if you felt this way, but um, it is—it's—it's it's a lot tougher to be a female entrepreneur than you would think. You know, I mean, you hear about it all the time inside of workplaces. I know we're having a lot of conversation around, you know, feminism and work um, and, and, you know, uh, the workplace treatment and everything like that. Um, but it is really incredibly difficult to be a female um, entrepreneur in specific industries a little bit more than others, but in general. Um, and especially, I noticed it when I, when I quit my job um, in 2018 to pursue this full-time, the creative, the creative uh, agency full-time. Um, it was just me on my own at that time. And I had, uh, with DC Brunch Club, I had two male business partners. And so when I would go into business meetings with them or, you know, go through negotiations and deals with them, I didn't really notice any sort of difference in treatment between, you know, that I was just in a situation with them. So I, I didn't afford me the chance to see what the treatment would look like if it was just me as a female. And honestly, I was a little bit blind and, you know, I was a little bit blind to it as well because I just, I, I had never gone through that process without them. And then when I started on my own and I started going to, into those same types of meetings and deals and negotiations without my male counterparts, I just really started to notice for the first time, like how different, uh, how different I was treated, differently I was treated in those in those instances. And I'm I'm one to to let those small things go. You know, I usually don't I don't like to let myself notice them, but they were pretty blatant, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that experience before now I have a male business partner as well, which I realized really helps me again in certain situations. And just simply having that person next to you or on the call or whatever dealing with certain people, you're just given, you're just treated differently. Um, and so that, the one in one and a half years um, that I was kind of on my own exploring, networking, trying to build uh, the creative events agency prior to, you know, letting that go and going full time with a creative marketing agency with Corey, um, I had a lot of time to explore what it's like to be a female entrepreneur in the space. And what I realized was that um, you just, you just have to be really, really, really confident, you know, mm -hmm. going into it. I'm a very naturally friendly person. Um, I, you know, I like to, to smile a lot. I like to talk a lot. I like to, I'm affectionate, like all of that. Right. And I realized that I really had to scale that back um, in going into some of the, the business deals or business meetings with people. Not that I wouldn't put a smile on my face, but I just kind of had to change and adjust my role to being to be taken a little bit more seriously. 
Um, so I would say that's, that was the number one thing that I realized I needed to change as a female entrepreneur in order to be taken seriously in like a man's world was to, you know, to change my approach and how I communicate with them, um, to change my approach and, and, you know, being strategic to what I bring to the table first and kind of making sure that they know, like I come from a place of, I explain what my background is. I explain what my experience is, you know, to validate the type of skill sets that I've formed over the last several years. Um, and I think that that's really important. Um, and that has been, you know, one of the, the areas that I've really tried to hone in on as a female entrepreneur is just setting the stage a little bit better for myself um, to be taken seriously so I can better sell my services. Because I, that was one area that just going into it, they were like, oh, what do you really do? You know what I mean? Um, so I think the validation and confirming that you have these skill sets, you're good at what you do, you have the work experience, um, and then you can bring in like, you know, the other areas of your personality, but really going into it with that firm, like, here's who I am, here's what I do, here's what I can do for you, here's where I offer value, right off the bat has, has been where I've, I've tried to really focus in on as a female entrepreneur. What about you? It's kind of like a conscious evolution. Yeah. Well, I think, yes, I agree with all of that. I think, you know, over time I've worked in a lot of, so I'm, you know, I have my business, um, that I do actually part-time Ellie Jane collective. And then I have my podcast that I do part-time and then I have a full-time job. <laughs> so I have, and I have a couple other, you know, like just consulting type, um, mm -hmm that I provide for people, especially others who are looking to, you know, dive into the world of entrepreneurship because it can be overwhelming and it is nice to have a mentor or just somebody who's willing to like listen to your questions and bounce them back. So for me, you know, I feel like through my corporate experiences, yeah, I mean, I guess when I was in, like, I think back to college too and how that has influenced things. And I just don't know that, and I don't think that they're responsible for this either by any means, but I don't know that I was aware of how much or how prevalent the sexism is sometimes, or I don't even know that it's sexism necessarily. I think it's just like gender biased, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think we're all guilty of that too. Like, and I think that's when I kind of started to take a look at myself and the way that I interact with folks and the way that when I'm working with vendors or working with a new team, like, like, I don't want to say that, you know, I already, like everybody has unconscious biases. And so being conscious of the fact that you may have these biases or that you may say or do things unconsciously, you know, that people may perceive as, as being biased in and of themselves. So working with other people to make sure that, you know, if I notice that somebody, especially a woman is not being heard, making right. sure that I give that person an opportunity you right. know, to speak. Right. Or um, if I notice that maybe like they're not as social or they're having a hard time engaging with people or being collaborative, like going out of my way, you know, to step out and say like, Hey, I've noticed that you're having a hard time with this. Like, how can I help you? Because I've been there it's hard. Right. So I think like it's been, yes, there are always situations and I've noticed it, especially, you know, just in just when I started out working and through the jobs that I've had, you know, over time. And I think that there's nothing that I 
could really do about that. I mean, the way that I act and the way and the things that I say and having confidence, I think really plays a big role. And also being somebody that is able to like prove yourself over time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think that men necessarily have to do, to be honest, like 100%. They don't. And it's, it's, it was just really, it was amazing to me to see the level of difference between when I, when I would go into meetings with, with men by my side as my business partners and without them, you know, and it, it's something that you, yeah, there, there are gender biases that we all have. I've been guilty of it as well. Um, and I've consciously tried to work on it over the last, you know, few years, um, ever since I realized that I, I also have some of, some of that, right? Uh, but when you talk about how being a woman has played a role in how you view your purpose, um, I think that, you know, it, especially in our industry, and I know with events specifically, to your point about um, building that trust over time, I think that's really, that has, that is really key. I think over time you do, you have to forge those networks. Yeah. You have to create a environment where, you know, it's not only about the things that you're doing, but also enabling other people to mm -hmm. be part of that and giving them the leg up too, because, you know, for, for me, a lot of where I felt like my success was, was when mm -hmm. someone was like, well, I don't know. What does Ellie think? Right, right. It was a lot about this topic. I think she right. should be in on this. You right. know what I mean? Right. Absolutely, absolutely. Giving people those opportunities where you're like, okay, I've established myself. I've created this space for myself. These relationships, you know, that I've formed over time. Now that I've come here and I've come this far and I have this experience, like now I can turn back and like reach my hand out to somebody else and make sure that they're having that same opportunity that I had. Yes. Sorry. And I remember what I was trying to say over the, over the last, um, over the last, you know, five years being in the event space, um, I was able to work with a lot of the types of clients that are now our ideal clients. Um, but you know, we were, I was working more of it from a, we're creating this event in your space. Um, for my for myself, right? Like it was a brand, DC Brunch Club is a brand that we're constantly creating and it's a ticketed event system. So so in that instance, you know, I made, I, over time, I hope that I've gained, you know, the, the um, I've gained the recognition that I, that I am able and capable to create these types of really cool experiences that yield in, you know, long-term results for, for clients. So I think, and that's what I was trying to bring back to your, to your point of over time, you definitely do gain recognition and the, and the type of, um, the type of reputation you want. Do you think that you, with the experience that you've had and knowing, you know, that your experience is valuable, do you trust your intuition more now? 100%, 100%. Trusting your gut is something that also takes time. I'm sure you realize this as a business owner. That's it's something that I've always, now it's like, if my gut is screaming, no, I trust it. But that was also something that I needed to be able to, you know, experience not trusting my gut enough to realize that I was actually right in every single situation that I didn't trust my gut on, right? That I actually like went with someone else's recommendation just because I was a little, I was nervous or scared of being wrong. Um, and every single time I'd look back and be, and even with some of my colleagues from, you know, like Deloitte, like bosses, mentor, whoever, I'd look back on those times and be like, you didn't trust your gut. 
And um, it's funny, we now have uh, for IRL agency on both of our walls, we have a trust your gut statement because we always gut check. It's so, it's so important. I think as females, I'm not sure if this is a female thing, but you know, I'd like to believe we're a little bit more in tune with, with our gut. We're a little bit more. Yes, we'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> is there, you know, like we're really good at reading situations, feeling what people are feeling. Um, I think a little bit easier than, than maybe our male counterparts are not saying that they are all, all like that, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we're just, you know, as females, we do have that superpower and I've learned to lean into mine a little bit more, but honestly, it took me a while. Like I would say this year, is the first year that I truly, I truly trust my gut in everything. Like if my gut's off, I check it and I'm like, ah, I think I'm right. I think I'm right on this one. Yeah. Well, and I think too, this is something that I talked about in a, in a previous episode, a lot with Megan Sagara too, is, you know, talking a lot about fear. I think that one of the things that you have to recognize when you're talking about your consciousness and your gut is also its relationship with fear because a lot of the time that overpowers like I know at least for me there have been a lot of times where I was like man I feel like I'm right on this but I'm not going to stand up and say it because I'm scared honestly like I'm I'm scared of what's going to happen if I say it I'm scared that I'm going to be wrong I'm scared of the consequences like whatever it is I feel like fear always plays a role but you know what, like the biggest thing for me that I've learned over time too, is like when there's an element of fear, decision is so much more important. And also a lot of the time, the scariest one is the right one. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Yeah. The the scariest one is normally the right one. (laughs) Unfortunately, it sucks. But like, I, it's kind of like when you're a kid and you're like, man, do I want to do the right thing? Right want a thing that's going to get me like the most candy in this situation you know what I mean like and you always know like you know and you're in your gut like what is that decision because a lot of the time it's relationship with fear is a yeah. lot closer yeah and those opportunities though like the fearful opportunities and the ones that like you look at and you're like holy crap like this is really like a terrifying decision to make are the ones you look back and you're like, but I knew all along that like the scary one was the right one and it gave me the best opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in 2020, even just starting this journey as far as, you know, um, moving this business forward and, and trying to figure out if it was, it's the best decision for us in 2020, um, fear lingering in the back of your mind, at, at least in our minds has driven us. Um, even further, you know, the fear of will we have, will we have another revenue stream we can count on at the end of this year? Will, is this a viable business that we can count on to take us through 2021, um, you know, and beyond? Like is, especially when, when events, which is a big component of our marketing agency, um, has such a huge question mark over it with all of the different restrictions and, you know, uh, you're just, so, there's so much uncertainty around that. So, Fear has definitely driven us to work even harder. Um, it's driven us to be creative, to be innovative, to take the bigger risks in a weird way. You know, you're like, it's kind of now or never, you know, we're right. going to try it now or we're not going to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely think that fear has been an important, um, in a weird way, has been an important factor in, in seeing at least our agency kind of grow to where it where it is today and I think it'll continue to be a factor in seeing where 
our agency will continue to grow, but with fear of more excitement at the same time. Like, I don't think, you know, it's fear 100%. I think there's more excitement and, um, you know, the, the, the future, like the vision of the future and what it could bring and what we're hoping to bring to the table with um, IRL agency and helping business owners, really, you know, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing. Yes. And actually, that's a question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, what is your vision for the future and, you know, for the future of IRL agency and how do you kind of hope to impact lives with that? Yeah. I mean, IRL agency for us, um, it's, it's become kind of personal, like in it, and we really feel this need to twofold. Um, one, we really feel the need to help businesses, you know, pivot. And, and, and figure out what their future looks like too in this pandemic world. And it, it, businesses are, it's going to continue to evolve. The world will continue to change, but our shtick, our thing has always been that we will be here to keep you real. We will be here to help you pivot and help you identify your online channels and your offline channels and make sure those are aligned so that you can better reach your audience. Um, you can continue to create those real moments online and offline. You can continue, your brand will continue to feel real or will feel real um, online and offline because as we can see in a pandemic world, in, in person pretty much non-existent. I mean, some venues and some spaces have were able to open their doors back up to their customers and patrons, but online is where we were, we were hoping to connect and we're, where we are connecting, you know? So being able to connect with your consumers and your um, customers online in a real way is something that I think a lot of businesses are, are paying attention to in 2020 um, and beyond and something that they should be paying attention to. And that's kind of where we come in. Um, we really want to be that agency that helps them figure it out and keep them real. So that's really inspiring to us. And then in a, you know, in a, in a hopefully post-pandemic world, we want to be the creators of those experiences. One of the biggest driving forces behind my vision and, and why I wanted to quit my job and, and dedicate my life to, um, to events was because I believe in a DC and a city that can offer way more to the people that live here. Um, you know, there are only a few brands that everyone knows and talks about. Um, and there are tons of great brands in the city, but there are only a few that are really creating those, um, those real and unforgettable experiences that people keep coming back for more about or they keep talking about. Um, and I think that there's just so much untapped potential in DC. And I really mean that, like that really is one of the driving forces behind why I quit my job. I was like, DC's got to be better. Um, with the experiences and with what, what it offers people. Um, I've traveled all around the world. I see what some of those cities are, are doing and not that DC needs to be the same as, you know, in New York or Miami or LA or wherever, you know, these transient cities. DC can be DC, but it just, I think, I personally think that there can be more that the city can offer. Um, so that's been a driving force behind, behind what we do as well. I feel the same way. I think that there's a lot and I think it's come a long way but I do see a lot of potential for DC in terms of just connecting people too. And I think 
Um, you know, you and I met through DC Startup Week. I think there's so many opportunities for things like that to like just evolve and be able to create these networks of people who rely on each other. Because really, that's the only way that you're going to get through something like this. It's the only way that you're going to continue to, I feel like, innovate. I mean, your creativity can only go so far, but it's like twofold when you bring somebody else on board to help you. Yeah. Oh, and I also think it's one of those situations where I, I can't, I don't think it was Steve Jobs that said this, but some, <laughs> I was like, for some reason I'm thinking it's him, um, that, you know, the reason I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I hire those people. Yeah. I think that's so true. Like, and whether it's hiring or just working or partnering or collaborating with somebody else, like, I think those experiences are going to continue to be super important and be a really big part of how we continue to do business moving forward. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, my, one of my favorite quotes, and I'm sure everyone's heard of this about branding is um, a, a brand is what people don't say about you when you're not in the room. Um, and that, that has really been one of the, the areas that we've been discussing a lot. Like, what does that look like in a virtual world, right? Like, how do you create something that people are talking about when you're not in the room? Um, and, and be become a buzzworthy brand in, in a pandemic, right? And I think it's really kind of tested that statement a lot. Um, mm -hmm. What can you do that's cool online? What can you do that excites people um, in, in a digital way? So I think that'll be something that we're going to be focusing on um, a little bit as well. And also, you know, our, one of our, one of the words that we've, we've um, kind of, we've, added into our into our brand is is a vibe right like we're all about we're all about bringing brands vibe a vibe to life mm -hmm. and um, we've done a lot of research on what people really say and use in order to describe their experience at a place or the decisions that they make out of on where to go and it's all about what the vibe is so how do you how do you bring your vibe to life in a digital world and how can you still connect with your consumers in that way um, during this time? So that's been something that we've been thinking a lot about as well. Yeah, no, I think that's crucial. And I think it will be moving forward. Um, you really have to be cross-platform to be competitive. And so, you know, how do you continue to do those things and kind of invite the people both online and hopefully eventually in real life as well? Um, yeah. So I, to wrap up, one, one last question, what would your advice be to folks thinking about starting a business or struggling with their business? Um, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs right now? Um, my advice would be to, to continue following and chasing your, your, the dream that got you here to begin with. What, what was that dream that made you either quit your job or follow your passion and start this business. Um, what did that look like then for you? And, and try to keep that in the back of your mind um, as you're going through this tough time, uh, because there was a reason for that. And yes, times have changed and the world is changing, but you know, if you can use that to kind of get you through this tough time and then also look for ways, I guess, more a tactical approach, look for ways that you can really 
connect with your, your customers um, online. There's so many different ways you can do that. And I know it's really overwhelming. Um, there's so many different sales channels. There's so many things that we should be doing all at once. Um, but, you know, find, find out what your customers want and meet them where they're at. Uh, and it really depends on your business, right? But I would say that's something that, that um, your customers are the answers to, to most questions and just trying to figure out what they want and creating that for them um, would be one of my recommendations. And then, uh, you know, just keeping that dream in the back of your mind and, and using that as your North light, like where, North star, wherever you go. Um, it's, it's hopefully going to be over soon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Roxy, thank you so much for joining us today. Really. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was really wonderful. Thank you so, so much again for listening. For more about me, Ellie Rowe, and my business, Ellie Jane Collective, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ellie Jane Collective or online at elliejanecollective.com. And I think you know what time it is. It's time for me to ask you to please share this podcast with others. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is you're listening. And please reach out if there are women you'd like to hear from, innovators doing amazing things in the community. We want to know about it. These are crazy times. So be safe, stay well. And in the meantime, please continue living your life with intention and cultivating your life consciously. 